I am on a God mission to help build your faith in Christ, and I come with a singular focus to encourage someone that you are on the right path, that though struggles and pain may be difficult at times, as long as Christ is leading you, He will not leave you. Come on, let me say that again. As long as Christ is leading you and He is the head of your life and you are following after Him, He will not leave you. And if He will not leave you, then why stay down where you are? Why stay defeated? Why stay discouraged when we've got a God that has all power in heaven and earth we must move on. We must move forward. So tonight, I want to echo the voice of the prophet Micah in chapter 7, verse 8. And it reads this. Very famous scripture. Rejoice not against me. Rejoice not against me. Oh, my enemy. Satan, don't rejoice against me. Don't don't dance on my grave just yet. For when I fall, I shall arise. Can somebody say that with me? I shall arise. He goes on to say that when I sit in darkness, not if I sit in darkness, not if it will ever happen, but when I sit in my lowest place, the Lord will be a light unto me. So let us pray right now and believe that the Lord will begin to strengthen our hearts and remind us tonight of the faith that we can possess in Him. Heavenly Father, we come to You tonight, God. We ask You, Lord, to strengthen our faith, God. Remind us of who we are, God. Remind us of who You are, God, tonight. God, build our faith in believing that You can do anything, God. And in that belief, believe, God, that we can arise from every situation. I pray this all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you to everyone that is here again. Thank you to all our, our guests that are here tonight. You know, Michael was speaking in future tense as recorded by the King James Bible. And there's many other versions which indicate that he was writing also possibly in a past tense. But the context helps us. As the prophet cried out Micah over the sinful state of the nation. It helps us understand what the prophet was saying. He was considering the mercy of God in reference to the sins of Israel that had already been committed. This means in some sense that Micah was saying that though I have fallen, i.e. it has already happened. How many's messed up before? There's no one in this room. There's no one in this room that's perfect. 
There's no one in this room that has it all together. If you do, like Pastor says, let's write a book together. Let's go be billionaires. My goodness, if you're perfect in this place, let's do it. But no one is here. It's perfect. Everyone has mistakes. Everyone has fallen at some point in their life. And what Micah is saying that though I have fallen, it's already happened. I shall arise. I shall arise. Because regardless of the timing, past or future, the promise is still true that the Lord will raise them up. And the Lord will be their light. The promise is still true that when you fall, Micah said, that when I fall, the Lord will be a light unto me. Can I get a witness in this place that the Lord has been a light to your path, has ordered your footsteps in the midst of trial, in the midst of confusion, in the midst of pain, the Lord has been a light unto you. And you see, the, the nation is literally relying on the promise of the Lord. And that blessing was not contingent on the goodness of the congregation of Israel, but rather it rested upon simply on a merciful God. It rested simply on God. It didn't rest on the accolades of Israel. It didn't rest upon the battles that they won. It didn't rest on when they were doing good and when they were doing bad. It simply rested upon the mercy of God and the belief and the promise that when I fall, I can arise and the Lord will pick me up and He will set my feet upon a rock. This serves as a reminder of a blog that was written by a dear friend, Pastor Jeff Harple, who describes the picture of the country of Peru, which boasts of the great Hachina Desert. And the sand, in the blog it says this, that the sand and dunes are cast about across the landscape as the prohibitive heat burns away anything that would be grass or foliage. It is a desert that is boasting of all commonalities of its kind. However, in the middle of the desert is an oasis, the likes of which is a mystery. A little town has sprung up there with vendors and tourists that frequently visit. All the sand, all the heat, and all the dry air, and then suddenly water and trees. A plant doctor, a horticulturist, hope I said that right, reported that it is this way that it only takes a small but constant water base to change the environment. It only takes just a little bit of water to change the environment that is around them. The pool of sustaining water had brought life to a desert that they call the oasis of the Huchino Desert, And I have a picture that you can see. A desert that surrounds and there's nothing that can be imagined to live in this place. It's an image that is beyond compare because death surrounds it. But in its circle there is an abundance of life. 
in just this small circle, in this small little oasis, there's something that is living. Everything around the little oasis in town is dying and it cannot sustain life. But where the water touches, hear what I'm saying, where the water touches, there is life. Does that sound familiar? Familiar. Where the river touches, there is life. Everything seemingly looks dead around it. The animals cannot sustain their life. Birds cannot travel very far. But in the center of a desert, in the center of a dry place, in the center of a cow patty, there is a place called the river that has provision, that has everything that you need, that is founded in Jesus Christ. Provision for a weary soul. Provision for the thirsty. Provision for the hungry. Just like that oasis. God has given us a place. Here. Here. That we can come and find rest for our weary soul. This is the image of God's provision in the hardship of life. The Lord raises us up when we fail. He gives light In the night of a self-imposed peril, He is the immutable Savior. And when we fail and all sin ravages the good of life, taking out natural blessing, God is merciful and provides a place of refuge. You see, it's not just because that the river is a place. It's because who is at the river? And that is Jesus. Because Jesus is the everlasting water. Jesus is the river that has no beginning and no end. Jesus is the place of refuge that you can find here. So I echo the voice of Micah and say, Rejoice not against me, devil. Rejoice not against me. Because though I may fall, though I may fail, I have a place to rise again. I have something in God that He has reminded me of a promise that I can stand once again. God's grace will appear in the middle of my peril. You see, Jesus is leading us on His path. Because of that, I cannot stray too far away. His eyes will not turn far from you. I'll never forget in high school when I was asked to provide a senior quote to be published in the yearbook. And I remember so many people wanting me to put the famous quote due to my name, Ricky Shane. If you're not first, you're last. If you don't get the joke... Go look it up. Or because I was a Christian, I should say, Dear baby Jesus, in my quotations. But none of these things really enticed me or defined me. And I thought, man, what a a place. I mean, what am I going to write? What could I put in a yearbook that maybe 15, 20 years from now, someone will go back and read and, and think like, man, That was a profound statement, and I couldn't come up with the words. I could not come up with words to say. And nothing really 
um, was brought back to my remembrance, but the only thing that I could put in there was something that God had placed on my heart, a scripture that I had held on to, something that I had, had literally experienced all my life, a scripture that I, I held very dear to my heart because it was without fail the scripture that I would refer to when I, fall, when I had fallen in the midst of trials. It was the scripture that I had referred to in, in high school and in middle school that I would go pull out my Bible. And I remember I, I had this maroon Bible. I still have it to this day. It's fallen apart. But I would pull it out and I highlighted it in every color that I could possibly highlight. Pink, green, yellow, whatever it was. I highlighted it. And I was thinking, like, what could I put in the yearbook? What would help remind those of many years from now to reminisce and bring encouragement back to their heart? And, and they have the picture of what I put there. I don't know if you can read it, but it says, Rejoice, not against me. Oh, my enemy, when I fall, I shall arise. And when I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light unto me. Please, don't judge me because of my cute picture on the screen right now. But look at the scripture that God had literally imprinted into my heart. It was a scripture that literally was my mantra. It was my banner. It was what connected me so much to God. And I was preparing for this message, the Lord reminded me of the yearbook and reminded me that, that this is the scripture that, that you held on to, Shane. This is something that you held on to. It was something that you imprinted in your hand and imprinted in your forehead because it was something that I promised you. And I come tonight to remind somebody of the promise that can be with you and the word says it that if you will obey and you will stand and rise from your situation He will be a light unto you. If you will step out and say that I shall arise no matter my situation no matter of my circumstance I shall arise because this voice this verse holds an age-old promise that God will be a light and God will be with me. I just believe that someone here tonight needs to hear the words that I'm saying. Someone needs to think in their mind. Someone needs to say with their mouth to the devil that I shall arise. You may feel like you're on the edge of life. You may feel like you're on the edge of your rope. You may feel like your life is about to end. But if you will utter the words that Micah uttered and tell the enemy, rejoice not against me I will arise and God will be my banner you got to speak in faith at times even though you don't feel like you can get up even though you may have feel like you have messed up you have got to say to yourself that I shall arise 
You may have gave in to the temptation, but you must get up and tell the enemy, I shall arise. You may have had that drink after years of being sober or that snuff after years of addiction or the blunt after just a few weeks of sobriety. Do not give up. I hear, I'm here to tell you, do not give up. Rise up in you. Let faith begin to rise in Jesus Christ and say, Devil, I shall arise. I come to build your faith tonight of a God that can bring you out of every situation, that can bring you out of every temptation, who will deliver you in the midst of your pain. You must tell yourself that I shall arise. I read another story. Did you know that the first few moments of a baby giraffe entering into the world is extremely tough and crucial if it will actually survive? I read this and I was just shocked. A baby giraffe has to fall 10 to 15 feet from its mother's womb and usually lands on its back. Within seconds, it rolls over and tucks its legs up under its body. From this position, it considers the world for the first time. Then the mother giraffe almost instantaneously and rudely introduces its offspring to the reality of life. In a book called A View from Zoo, Gary Richardson describes how a newborn giraffe learns its first lesson. The mother giraffe lowers her head long enough to take a quick look at the baby giraffe. Then she positions herself directly on top of her calf. She waits for just a minute and then she does the most unreasonable thing. She swings her long pendulous leg outwards and kicks her baby and sends it sprawling head over heels. When it does not get up, the violent process is repeated over and over and over again. The struggle to rise is quite tumultuous. As the baby calf grows tired and the mother kicks it again and again and again to stimulate its efforts, finally the calf stands for the first time on its wobbly legs. Then the mother giraffe does the most remarkable thing. She kicks it one more time off of its feet. And I asked the question, I, I thought about this, why would the mother giraffe kick her baby one more time? And it come to me as I read just a little bit further, the reason why is because she wants it to remember how it got up. It wants to remember, the, it wants the baby giraffe to remember how it got back up. And there's a lesson to be learned from this baby giraffe and mother giraffe that life comes at you and it kicks you and it knocks you down and it tries to take you out. But in the end, if you will learn to stand back up, if you will learn the process that you might fall, but you will arise, if you'll never forget how to get back up we have to learn both young and old how to walk and follow Christ and remember to get back up to stand to arise from the ashes of defeat and make your way 
forward. We can never forget this. We can never forget that though life may be hard, though the enemy tries to come and take us out, that we have to stand back up. Ephesians 6 and 1, the Bible clearly states who our enemy is and who we must keep watch of. It's a fine thing to say that, Shane, it's a fine thing for me to say you've got to stand. You've got to stand. You've got to get back up. But if I don't tell you who you're fighting against, then you'll never understand the battle that you're going through. The Bible says in Ephesians to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in this world and against wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day done all, and when you have done all to stand. Paul writes to the Ephesian church emphatically and says you do not fight with wrestle and blood. You don't just fight with your brothers and your sisters and your friends. But there's something else going on in the middle of all of that. There's evil in this world that is trying to take you out. There's a Satan and there's a devil of this world that is calling your name and trying to call you down to the place where you cannot get back up. He's trying to call you back to the hole where God delivered you from. But Paul said, when you have done all, you must stand. Just stand and watch the deliverance of the Lord. Just stand with the whole armor of God. Just stand knowing that God will deliver you. Paul had something to say else about warring against the enemy. That we must use every tool that God has gave us to withstand the devil. But in the end, you must stand. When the doctor tells you that you have cancer, you've got to stand. When the bank tries to foreclose on your home, you've got to just stand and watch the deliverance of the Lord. When divorce tries to torment your marriage, you've got to stand and say that the Lord will be my light and my banner. And He will deliver me from all trouble. When all of hell wants a piece of you, you must stand. You've got to stand and understand that the Lord will be with you. We have to learn to take the hits and be willing to get back up and stand to keep fighting for what we believe. I like the way the great Rocky Balboa explains how to win. He says the world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's very mean and a nasty place. And no matter how tough you think you are, it will always beat you if you let it in. It's not about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and get back up and move forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. The winning is done, not when you fall, but when you get Back up again. 
Don't think me naive. I understand that we fall. I understand that life slaps us in the face. I understand that life in general can and will be a bed of thorns rather than roses. However, I also understand that there is a war for our souls. There is life that hits us so hard that we want to to stop. But I come to preach to you tonight to say that you must arise from the ashes. That it doesn't matter what you're going through. No matter the situation, there is nothing that can separate you from God. There is nothing that God cannot handle. There is not one obstacle. There is not one scenario that God is not in the middle of. There is not one thing that God cannot deliver you from. There's a war going on in our minds trying to captivate and entertain the thoughts of the enemy like you don't matter. You're not a child of God. You can't be a child of God. You've done too much and I have a hold on your soul. You've seen too much or one of the things that I've heard in in times before that you've just went too far. You have seen and done too much God can't use you, but I come tonight to to speak to that spirit of discouragement and depression and say and prophesy that we shall arise. Satan, there's a group of believers, there's a group here at the river and all throughout this world that is standing up in these last days and is beating the drums and saying that I will arise, that I will will get back up that I will stand I come tonight on a mission to remind somebody that there is a power that lives inside of you and it's called the Holy Ghost that can stand with you and fight your battles and fight your battles we must stand in one mind and one accord to defeat the enemy We must stand with one voice and one passion and say that the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I be afraid? I will stand because I am a conqueror. I am a child of God. I am healed. I am delivered. I shall arise. I will get back up. I will... Be called of God. I will be called of God. You ask me maybe of how the enemy can control your mind. When we have the power of the Holy Spirit. I've, I've, I've heard this before and I've asked the question myself. Like how can I, how can the enemy try to control my mind? And what are the, the wiles of the devil that, the Paul, that Paul is talking about? That he says that we have to put on the whole armor of God and guard our minds and guard ourselves. We have to ask the question, how does he try to control our souls? And how he does that is by trying to diminish our faith. 
by trying to diminish the faith that God has given you, that God has put inside of you. Jesus said that every person has a seed of faith, has a measure of faith. Every person on this earth has a measure of faith. And if you'll use that measure of faith, whether small, whether big, it matters no matter the size. All that matters is that the enemy tries to take it from you. The enemy tries to rob it from you. The enemy wants to try to diminish it. But what I'm here to tell you is that if you will fight and you will stand and you will believe, the enemy cannot take your faith. The enemy cannot rob your faith. The enemy cannot strip you of your faith. Paul's letter to Timothy, a young pastor, he exhorts him saying in 2 Timothy 4 and 7, I have fought the good fight of faith. And I have finished my course. But he ends with this, that I have kept the faith. I have kept the faith. I have been through storm and rain. I have been through pain and sorrow. But I have kept the faith. So you ask, how does Satan try to accomplish stealing your faith? By easily, easily telling you that he can. He makes you believe that he has the power. He tells you in your ear that I'm more powerful than you. I've got this and I've got that. I took your daddy. I took your mama. I took your grandma. I took your grandpa. I took your cousins. Look at them out on the street. I took them. I can take you. It's his mouth that tries to make you believe. Satan's best asset is his mouth. Is his mouth. His mouth. First Peter 5 and 8 says this, that be sober and be vigilant because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion is as a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in my brethren that are in the world. The enemy wants to make you believe that he is a roaring lion and that he's got teeth that can bite and sink into you and kill you. But all he is is just somebody that runs his mouth. I'm sure you know some folks that just like to run their mouth. They just like to talk. They just like to run. That They ain't got no fighting in them. They just got a mouth like a little chihuahua. They just talk, 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 talk. They talk all the game, but they ain't got no fist to back it up. They ain't got no fight in them because they don't believe. They don't know that something is inside of you that will knock them clean out. Can I get a witness? Do you know people like that? Well, that's just like Satan. Like a little chihuahua. Just like a little thing that likes to run its mouth. We make the enemy so much bigger than he really is. Because God has already conquered him. God has already put him in chains. God has already destined him to be defeated. He's already destined him. He's already destined you to win. All you have to do is be like Paul and say that I have kept the faith. I have kept the faith and I will arise once again. 
Let me go a little further and a little bit deeper. If you don't believe that the enemy has a mouth on him, we'll go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3 verse 1 says that now the serpent is more subtle than all the beasts of the field which the Lord has made him. He said unto the woman, he's got a mouth, he said unto the woman, yea, hath God said. He's putting God's words in his mouth because his words ain't got no power. He said, God says, but he twisted around that ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Satan uses his mouth into tricking us to believe what God has already established in our heart. You see, all, you see Adam had already encountered the serpent. Adam had already heard about this serpent. Adam, in fact, God gave Adam dominion over all of the earth and gave him honor of naming the animals. Listen, he gave him the honor of naming the animals. The word serpent, which Adam called him, the word serpent is N-A-C-H-A-S-S. H. I can't say it, Nasash, I think it's called. But what this word means in Hebrew, it means that it is a snake from its hiss. Literally the voice and the sound that the snake made is why Adam called the serpent a serpent. Because of the voice, because of the hiss, because of the thing that had come out of his mouth. It was just a sound. Adam had already heard the snake's hiss. However, never told his wife how it sounded. How many times do we encounter things in our lives and have experiences, but never tell our friends or family how it happened and how to get out of it? We as the body of Christ must, must, must tell others about the enemy. Tell others about what God has done for you. And tell others how God delivered you from the enemy's hiss. Delivered you from the enemy's mouth. If you're constantly hearing what God can't or won't do, then this is the voice of the enemy. If all you hear in your head is negativity, this is the hiss of the serpent. This is the hiss. This is the sound of the serpent. If you're always thinking that God is too holy or too sovereign to care about you, this is the hiss of the enemy. If you think for one second that Jesus cannot that did not die for your sins and the enemy has robbed your faith and it's time for you to quit, the enemy has convinced you that he can take your faith how many times do we hear the enemy's voice after having an incredible experience and saying in our ears that that wasn't worth it you don't have to do that you don't have to feel that way you don't have to do this or, or do that that is the hiss of the enemy but I come to wage war tonight I come to remind somebody of this simple simple thing that if you will keep your faith and if you will stay focused on Jesus Christ and you will not allow the enemy's hiss to take hold of your mind and you will stand and you will arise and you will proclaim that I shall arise that God can deliver you from all obstacles God can deliver you from all pain God can deliver you from all things as the musicians come as the musicians come at this time 
Satan knows that as long as his voice and hiss is louder than the Lord's, that he will fall in defeat. That he will fall in defeat. But tonight, God wants to speak to your heart louder than the voice of the adversary and say, Arise, arise, arise. Get up, my child. Get up from where you're at. Get up right now and stand and believe that I can deliver you. If I can convince somebody tonight that God can deliver you, there will be a whole wave of revival, a new wave of thing that will come to your family. Hear what I'm saying. Hear what I'm saying. This is a prophetic utterance right now if you will stand out of your situation if you will make up in your mind if you will believe in your heart that the enemy has no hold on you if you will believe in your heart and make sense in your mind that though I fall rejoice not against me because I will arise I will arise I will arise. I will get back up. I will stand again. It may take me time after time after time. But I will get back up. Let's all stand. I know it's 8 o'clock. Please forgive me. But there's a moving of the Spirit that is in this place tonight. There's a moving of the Holy Ghost that is in this place tonight. And God is saying very clearly very clearly I hear him right now I feel the unction of the spirit and he says that will you arise will you take that step of faith and watch what I'll do in your life watch what I'll do in your family watch what I will do when I deliver you and I take that voice and that hiss of the enemy out of your ear and you will believe in faith that I can deliver you what is impossible with God? What is impossible with God? What is your situation that you need Jesus to speak to? What is that thing that you need Him to come rise you out of your situation? Whether it be death, whether it be sickness, whether it be debt, whether it be anxiety, whether it be depression, Jesus is here right now saying, Arise! Come forth. Make up in your mind that you will get back up. Come to the water named Jesus Christ. Let's all lift our hands at this time. You may feel like death has you surrounded. You may feel like the enemy has convinced you that there's nothing left to give that I don't have enough strength to get back up. You may feel tonight that you're at the end of the rope. But there's a prophetic utterance that's going forth saying that there is a river that flows from heaven that can heal, that can restore, that can renew everything that you thought that you had lost. There's someone here tonight that needs to shake yourself and tell the enemy, don't rejoice over me when I fall because I'm standing with Jesus. 
I'm standing with Jesus. Someone needs to shake off the grave clothes right now and come out of the grave of defeat and arise to see your Savior. As I was writing this message, I feel it. I felt it then and I feel it now. This is a prophetic word that I felt. And this is what I believe that God is wanting to do. Jesus, hear me. Jesus is here and has been here to demonstrate His power. Not our power, His power. Not because of anything that we have done. Not because of anything that we have put in place because of his desire and his mission to heal the brokenhearted and to set the captive free to bring sight to the blind and hearing to the death tonight Jesus is here to demonstrate his power to demonstrate how you can rise again We're going down to the